0: Life might hand you budgets, schedules, family, and responsibility.
1: But driving shouldn't be just another chore. We're here to help you find a car you love. Something that fits your budget and your needs, but is fun to drive and makes you look back. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car to be. This is a bit different podcast for quite a few reasons. The main one oh, being yes. this is a podcast on the road.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. I mentioned on uh, Facebook when I posted for questions earlier, we were doing some traveling, and here we are back in Los Angeles. Yep. We yep. are here doing a bit of a PR tour, which is kind of fun. Which is very cool. Yeah, yeah. We're, we don't have actually any shooting, real shooting planned. True, true. But this is just kind of a PR tour for the upcoming Velocity season. You've heard mm-hmm. us talk about it. Yep. We are hurtling that direction. That is starting January sixth, twenty eighteen. On Velocity Channel. 13 weeks. Hurtling is a good word. Yeah. It's coming fast, which is amazing. And uh, everything we're doing is in preparation for that. And Todd is furiously editing everything that he's, everything you've got thrown at this, yeah. which is going to be cool. I'm just amazed that there's so many little, you guys have no idea how many little tiny things that have to be done. And I'll give you a great example, and that is thumbnails on your DVR. Just those alone have to be curated, because mm-hmm. last season mm-hmm. they were pulled at random, and they used terrible pictures. Somebody else
1: pulled them, yeah. Was our, and we was didn't terrible. know where yeah. they
0: came from, and so we had to chase all this stuff down, and mm-hmm. just little things, just the endless
1: minutiae of stuff in preparation for all this. But it's going to be worth it. That being said, that being said, for those who that have asked about us being on Velocity, since we are not Velocity-owned, we are independent producers... You won't find us year-round. Now, we're going to have two seasons in 2018. But if you are a person yeah. that sets your DVR, and let's be honest, the show's on very early. So we recommend <laughs> you set your DVR. Well,
0: 7.30 Eastern. Three,
1: three weeks out yeah. is roughly when you'll start seeing it populate on your DVR, which means you could go looking now. Uh, brand new episodes will be starting in January. Uh, so the main reason we are in Los Angeles is actually very cool. We're going to be on two podcasts. We're going to be on Spike Ferriston's, uh, Spike, Spike's Car Radio. Yeah. And exactly. we're going to be on Adam Carolla's CarCast. Talking about the show, talking about the TV show, all of the above, we're actually really excited.
0: Very cool. Yeah, again, uh, this is a PR Tour, PR Madness, and uh, both those guys, uh, we've been on Spikes. Well, he's actually been on ours. You probably heard him uh, on our podcast earlier uh, this year. And then Adam, we have not met yet, but uh, we're really excited because he's got uh, a lot of followers. For and, sure, uh, yeah. Looking forward to being on with him and... Talking about
1: all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah, for sure. And I actually want to give a really random shout-out right now because we've been looking at our analytics related to the podcast and discovered something very odd. Thank you to all of you that are listening from all around the world and the nation. But according to analytics, I'm a little baffled, honestly. According to analytics, um, it seems like the entire city of Dublin, Ireland listens or somebody puts it on which a is, loop. I'm not sure which, it's just one because guy. exactly. So, so, if you're listening in Dublin, hey, uh, shout out to you because yes. uh, Hello, apparently everyone. we could. Ha- we could. Here's the thing: we could either have a meetup with the entire city of Dublin or one person who really likes the podcast. I'm not sure which, <laughs> right. but on our analytics, right. it, it typically is the number two city worldwide that listens to the podcast. So, thank you to all of you in Ireland that are listening. That's v- very random, but we've just actually gotten a whole new round of analytic options with Podcast One. Probably more down in the weeds in UK care to know, but that's been a really kind of surprising little curveball. It was like, New York listens a lot. Okay, that's cool. Dublin listens. Wait, Dublin. Wait, 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 wait. (laughs) Not just any
0: Dublin. It's Dublin, Ireland. Yeah. It's the the real deal. Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening so much. This is a lot of fun. We've got a lot of social media questions, which we're Mm -hmm. going to get to, but uh, yeah, because of the nature of the travel, we're just going to do one car debate for this podcast, and that is from our friend Alec B., he is the programs manager for the Tony Hawk Foundation. You've heard him on before. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've discussed him, but uh, he's actually writing for his stepdad.
1: Yeah, pretty cool.
0: Which is cool, and he uh, he calls him Mike Dad. Yeah, as uh, you know, his mom's husband. And so I think it's it's pretty cool, a cool term of endearment.
1: And Hi, Alec. How are you, man? Yeah, for sure. And we end up with uh, with kind of the ultimate golf cruiser for Mike uh, for, for Mike <laughs> Dad, which is interesting. So we we're going to talk about something a little bit oddball in that regard. We do have a lot of other stuff going on. We actually are shooting some stuff on the chevy bolt
2: yeah which is very
1: cool we are probably going to shoot a fast blast while we're here i mean very very little moss grows under our feet while we're we're stopped (laughs) when we're stopped uh so there's a whole lot happening there um thank you to all of you that are listening on all of this we apologize for the shift in audio quality this evening but wow there's a lot to cover
0: this is very cool all right so getting right into the car debate for alec He writes to us uh, before we've debated for him, and again, we follow him on Instagram, Cars of Skateboarding as well. Yeah, for sure. Pretty cool concept. I mean, all kinds of skateboarders are into, you know, cars, and, you know, he curates that. It's
1: like the old MTV Cribs, but it's using skateboarders instead of rockers and cars instead of houses. That's what we're talking about. Exactly. So I'm all about it, for sure.
0: Exactly. All right. So he writes to us saying, hey, I'm stoked to have a fun excuse to email you back, and his husband his mom's husband's mike mike dad looking for a new car so it's got to be used mm-hmm. he said he runs a small medical device company that does sonar on arteries and he plays a ton of golf yes is this you're in the medical industry and you play a ton of golf
1: that's pretty much that's how it happens yeah hand in hand and so guess what he currently drives? A Lexus, surprising no one. Yes, not surprising at all. And But an older Lexus. I mean, a significantly older Lexus. It sounds like this is one of those... Lexus has come onto the scene, late 90s Lexus, when they were bulletproof and are still running. See Matt's nearly a million mile Lexus, which actually, actually, I have are to call out. Are we near there? Are we near? He's, he's like 30,000 miles away, last okay. I heard, All and right. he's put over 10 grand into just keeping the car running. So, in spite <laughs> well. of the Lexus perception, <laughs> it is a car that obviously needs some maintenance. But we are talking about replacing a, a kind of gold ish. Golf, uh, <laughs> just, it, it is the ultimate golf vehicle is what this is, and we're replacing it. What's interesting is he started talking to his to his stepdad and started hearing terms that I feel like don't apply to this Lexus that he wants in his next car.
0: Sure. Well, here they are. He wants it to be heavy. He wants it to stop on a dime. Two mm-hmm. heavy cars, stop on a dime.
1: Did you get the carbon ceramics is really the next oh, part of that. Right, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. That will solve anybody's stop on a dime problems. And it's got to be solid, solid, solid. And I think that just means build quality. And you know, you feel like you're in a car mm-hmm. and you've got this heavy machine around you. For and sure. you're used sure. to that and you like it.
1: We're replacing a car that hopefully he will have some fun with. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the other thing that's cool is there is a big SUV in this equation. His mom's got a Toyota Highlander that is used for the gardening work and the hauling stuff. And so there really isn't a need for this car to have all that much utility, with the exception of clearly, it must haul golf clubs. So,
0: <laughs> right, and, and there's
1: a surprisingly varied car ownership in this story. But I feel like this Lexus big sedan has certainly influenced the discussion. When I hear, hear hear words like heavy and solid, I hear big sedan. But yet, when I think of fun car, clearly it's me. I drive tiny little mosquitoes of vehicles. But I don't think fun equated to heavy. So, right, even, I think. Right. I think we're in kind of a grand touring world, is the place to be here. Yeah, I can see that. But the budget we're dealing with is less than 30 grand. We haven't been specific with the budget. It sounds like 25 ish would be ideal. It sounds like 30 might be the top. I actually have three on this two that I think are really good contenders that he needs to drive, and one that I considered making a sniper shot. Really? But I have three for sure that I think are on the must-drive list.
0: Okay. Well, some former cars on his list here of things he's owned in his life. 67 Ford Mustang. Cool. 66 MGB, which is also pretty interesting. The Oldsmobile Cutlass from 1970 is on this list, as is a Volkswagen Beetle. That's the combo that I like about this. The, the Beetle could actually ride around in the cutlass trunk. Just about. Actually.
1: And then he goes into two uh, 70s 911s back to back. Pretty cool. Which is very nine interesting. seventy five t yeah. Those are very cool.
0: You know what those are worth right now?
1: Yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's the, the, the savings only. account that got away for if sure. Only. Mm-hmm.
0: What else? 79 BMW 320i, a 1980 Audi 5000. I thought those were so cool.
1: They were cool.
0: I still think so. Until
1: they had the PR nightmare of supposed unintended acceleration, which didn't really exist. And yeah, it nearly it killed the exist. brand.
0: It was It was just, yeah, go read about that. Um, anyway, what else? 84 Porsche 944, 83 Mercedes 300 SD. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if that car is sort of where the solid possibly recipe possibly. came mm-hmm. from because yeah. those cars define that especially That's in the true. 80s that era you're right absolutely I mean, that was true. the heyday of the bank vault you know you're
1: absolutely right yeah made yeah. out of
0: one piece of whatever <laughs> it was yes ingot of steel and then finally a 2000 Lexus 300 GS that was when the GS actually first came out that was the first generation of that GS car mm. I really liked those cars when they came out the GS for me styling wise has gone in a different direction but if you like them, <laughs> great. Uh, I just love that it. it just started to get like closer to a sport-ish sedan. It, You're it being didn't generous. Do it. You're being generous. It didn't do it, but it was it was like, okay, there's, there's maybe hope for the brand. And the, it's manifested itself in the IS cars, which we really like. True, true, true. So it yeah. has gone that direction steadily, and then Lexus has actually gained its own identity, which I also really like. Yeah, for sure. But uh, I'm curious to hear your choices. I've got a coupe in mind, but I'm also thinking Grand Touring all over this. I, th- I think yeah, you're right.
1: I think it's I think it's the it's the stuff that I look. I to be honest would rarely consider because it's not quite sports car enough. Mm-hmm. But in this equation. I think it's plenty sports car enough. Sure. Because the other thing about it is that... You don't need to go uh, hardcore No, absolutely not. Nothing like that. And and Mike Dad's done a little bit of driving and driven a few things. And one of the things that he said he drove recently is he drove... I'm finding it in the email here. He drove uh, a Genesis, didn't he? Yes, he drove the the, the Hyundai Genesis. Now, right before it became a separate brand, I was actually quite impressed with that car. That sedan. Pretty cool.: So, so that kind of cool? starts to inform me further. We're definitely talking about, about sedans, but I'm going to push you, Mike, I'm going to say you don't need utility at all. You don't even need four seats. You just need to be able to haul the golf clubs.
0: <laughs> Maybe just one seat and a golf club shoot. Well, but most.: But most, built but most, in but most two plus car. twos, you're going to
1: have to check. Most two well, plus twos yeah. have a fold-down rear seat. And most two plus twos that are in the grand touring variety, what did they use for reference on the trunk? they used a bag of golf clubs. Isn't that always the case? It's a big discussion point in that world. So I think buy yourself a coupe shape that is actually a 2 plus 2 that has a nice, solid feel about it. It isn't going to be the most agile thing on the road, but compared to what you've driven, it's going to be a rock star. I think that's the perfect place to be. And I want to start, since you're a Lexus guy, I'm going to start. Under thirty grand. you can find them. The current... Design Lexus RC 350. They are out there. That's good. Are they under they are thirty? Out genuinely there under thirty. I just looked before we started recording. No kidding. There's not Excellent. a lot of them, but they are out there. Now, okay. You could get, That's and, good. And, and because of your back history of cars, you're not a guy that needs 600 horsepower for it to amaze you. Mm-hmm. So 300 right, horsepower right. is going to feel great. And those RC 350s are really they're incredibly good cars for this world in this kind of. Luxury affordable uh, GT car, it's way up there. So the 350 F Sport, if you can do it. But even if you don't get the F Sport, I think that's fine. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of car there, and you stay Lexus because you're wor- one of the things that's said here a couple times in this email is you want reliability. You yeah, want it to German run. cars
0: were kind of out, but you, yeah. but by virtue of maintenance, mm-hmm. they do run. They they check that box. Sure, but then the whole maintenance aspect comes into play. I like your RC car here. I, I like. Uh, you know, after driving the RCF, you and I drove that, mm-hmm. uh, what, a couple mm-hmm. seasons ago, a couple of years ago, about something a year like ago. that? A little
1: over a year ago, yeah.
0: I remember thinking, oh, this could be really interesting. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. liked elements of the M3 about power delivery and, you know, the, the feedback and the handling that the M3 gave me. I liked that better. But that was
1: well. You're uh, thinking back to the ISF with the M3, and then the RC. Was, well, then the RC. We did have that the was, RC the, was, on that track. that was the RC and the M4, wasn't it? M4. You're right. It was yeah. the M4
0: as well. Yeah. And and I had a, a lot of like towards this RC. I agree with you. Yeah. I just thought, all right, well, you know, the M4s, M3s of the world do exist. Mm-hmm. So it is mm-hmm. a hard decision here. For sure. But, for sure. You know, I, if you're more, you're inclined towards the Lexus, your proclivity is that way, which. Mike certainly is. Then mm-hmm. you know I can
1: definitely see that. That's 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 one of my three. I have three mm. total. That was the one I felt like was the obvious one to bring up. I was most surprised to look them up and actually find them for under thirty. That's that the thing amazing. about it that really intrigued me. But now, just in the lot cases, F
0: Sport only. Well, the no, Fs I
1: are probably out. No, no, I say I say the R C S look in general. I think okay. there's the two fifty. Okay. There's the three fifty. That's not the F Sport. But I think go drive this car in a couple of flavors and see what you like because under thirty it is possible. That's one of my three. How many are you bringing to the table on this? By the I've way, I've
0: got one that's on my mind, and I'm I'm still thinking about a few others. But one that's on okay.
1: that's definitely I, I think you could really like. Okay, the other one I feel like has to be mentioned here. It's in you'll see it's in the same exact vein, is the Lexus, the Q60. Sure, sure. Now the Q60. Wait, is, Infinity. You're saying Infinity? Sorry, Q60. sorry, sorry. Yes, I just mentioned Lexus. This is the Infinity yes, Q60. Yes, yes. A couple of you have noticed. Side note: A couple of you have noticed in the last couple of <laughs> podcasts. I say something boneheaded because I just need sleep. Yes, so pardon he does. me, but this is the Infinity <laughs> Q60. Right, uh, that one used to be the G35 or G37 coupe, and then it became the Q60, and then it got to its current design. So we're talking about current design, which honestly, it's my poster child design right now for a car that I don't think looks as good in pictures or any kind of video capture as it does on the road in person. Mm-hmm. That car works Agreed. in real life Agreed. better than it works any other place. But even the just prior gen, there was this weird gen that feels like a blank slate version. Between the last of the G37s and the current Q60, there was this much more bland version of that coupe. Yeah,
0: I know what you're talking about. Sure. So those, sure. or the
1: current gen, both you can find for under 30. Now, the current gen one under 30 is going to be the small engine and that kind of thing, but still, worthwhile car to drive. Fantastic counterpoint to the Lexus. I say drive them both just so you have the counterpoint discussion. Neither of these are the ones I almost sniper it with, though.
0: Oh, really? Nope. No kidding, because my car is actually that. It's the Infinity. Really? And it's, ah, I'll say that it's, it's been a while, if if ever, that we've really gravitated towards an infinity choice for somebody. Mm. But I think in the right vein and the right kind of thing, it can work. I was actually going back to start. I was going way back to 2012, okay. thinking, what about that IPL version of the G37? Sure, if you can find them, yeah. Now, rare car, had a lot of power. Mm-hmm. I liked mm-hmm. the styling on those. I think they still look good. And that IPL flavor just had a little bit of extra specialness to it. Yeah, for sure. But then, you know, there was, as you're saying, sort of this, you know, not quite a looker, didn't kind of know what it wanted to be generation. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. now the current Q60, I really like, I'm impressed. That car, we just recently drove it, as a matter of fact, uh, track day, Motor Press Mm -hmm. Guild track days. And uh, I'm just impressed. It really did sure. impress me. And I For think, sure. all right, now what is the compelling reason? What is infinitiness about this?
1: What is infinitiness? You know what I mean? I'm, I'm asking myself this t- question. There's the t-shirt of the night. Infinity ness. <laughs> the infinitiness. And, the, and it's, then it says. You know what I'm saying. Then underneath it, it says <laughs> the part of speech followed by a question mark. Because we just don't know. We don't know what it is.
0: <laughs> I don't know how to quantify this. But I, I'm just looking at this car. Of course, the new one is not 25, 30 grand. But yeah. I'm just, I, I'm going that direction. But you can quickly
1: find the farther back ones for that you, money. You though. could yeah.
0: very easily. And I've always asked myself now, when getting in a modern Jaguar, what is British about this car? Sure. I think I've hit upon it, and that is the simplicity and the elegance that still feels mm-hmm. like that German qualities that we really love. But same thing with the infinity. Now, it has its own quirkiness and it's not following oh, the buttons are all in the same place and the interactions mm-hmm. all work the same way. No, Infinity's clearly doing their own thing. And honestly, now with the new design direction that Infinity is going, I realize we're not talking new cars, but sure. with Kareem, my friend and and classmate from Art Center, he yeah, is yeah, yeah. taking Infinity in a new direction. I feel great hope for the brand, I feel like let's hope they find some
1: names that we all follow along. You know, with, but
0: yeah, yeah. Can we? Can we? I'd give them a hall pass to rename everything once more and go through that struggle For of sure. learning it. If it's something coherent, <laughs> and maybe we actually come up with names of cars, that'd be novel. I would. I would give them that one more mulligan <laughs> since we're golfing. <laughs> change the okay. names once more and let's actually get something that's rem- memorable and we can all identify i like Because quick think of a q70 or q6 what, now wait i have to think about that and is unfortunately that the, yeah unfortunately what yeah. platform what year and you, uh-huh. know, you struggle but that's where i'm at I, okay. I rarely gravitate towards infinities okay because what is it but it's, it's not a Lexus. It's kind of the
1: anti-Lexus, but the, the reliability is still there in yeah. my mind. Well, I'll tell you the first car I thought of when I read this email. First car I thought of, Alec. And Mike, you're going to think I've lost my mind. Uh-oh. But follow me. Uh-oh. Because here's what I thought. Is this the sniper? This was the one I thought of being a sniper shot. And then I thought, no, no, no. I need to branch out some.
0: Okay. All right. So
1: I, I started digging around. And I found, no, no, no. These cars are this price. So here's what's up. You said you wanted solid, heavy, Clearly, you want some power. You want some stopping power. I think we should get you into something that's got a little bit of attitude. <laughs> you know, get you Uh-oh. away from Lexus. I'm, I'm
0: wondering if I see where this is going. So I
1: just started thinking. I started digging around, and I found a lot of these. Now, they're not current gen, but the difference between the current gen and the prior gen of this car is it got more dynamically hardcore, which you don't need, Mike. So with your money, you can find a lot of of Cadillac CTSVs, sedans, or coupes. I say go coupe. Wow. You can get yourself. That is interesting. This is is 6.2 liter V8, my friend. Are those 30 and under, though? You can find them. I was shocked, but you can find them, yes. Really? I was finding in 2014s for this kind of money. All right. Why not? Now, look, you, you may say to me that doesn't get good gas mileage. You're taking it to go play golf. <laughs> enjoy the fact that you burn some gas between here and there. If you were going to go cross-country or commute 60 miles a day, I'd be worried about this car for you. But based on the usage we've been told, enjoy the attitude of your CTSV and go golfing in that car. I love the attitude of taking that to the golf course. It is the counterpoint to your current Lexus. But it is solid. It is good handling. It will stop well. It has good power. It's a GM car. It's going to run. True. I I think. Look, that's it's. This is a weird one because this is like my wild card sniper shot. It's not (laughs) obvious, but yet when I read this email and I saw those parameters, I thought we have to go looking for CTSVs. Interesting. And I think if you drive that in contrast to the other two we've mentioned. I would be I would be fascinated to hear what you come away with.
0: I like this. So here's this element that I've been thinking about as we've been talking and just a little bit before we launched into the podcast here, is the age factor. Mm-hmm. And not not Mike Dad. I'm talking about the age factor that you exemplify by virtue of the car that you drive. And mm-hmm. by that, you know, the teenager's car and the cop that was surprised by sure. you, you know, driving the FRS, okay? Yes. And the Lotus and the Mini and whatever that is, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you know how age is nothing but a number. Yeah. And should you drive a car that isn't your age, the older you get, that actually kind of throws down some attitude, as you've said. Mm-hmm. But is surprising, like, well, well, that's kind of a cool, you know, young person's choice that, you know, keeps you fresh. And yeah. I, I don't know. No, yeah. I'm just kind of thinking about this, and I went to a Dodge Challenger. Now Interesting.
1: Okay. I'm right.
0: wondering you wouldn't go Hellcat. That's not what I'm saying, no. but like an SRT, something like that. Yeah. That's got a boatload of power that's sure. just sort of a little bit naughty. It a is. A little bit irreverent. Yeah. And I like the Cadillac choice for that. Mm-hmm. Of course, there is the, well, is that sort of a foregone conclusion? You got a Cadillac. But and not you in golf. the V form. That's the not thing. in the V, though. Yeah. But I'm just thinking about this, you know. Pull it into something more juvenile, <laughs> because the older you get, the more juvenile you should be. Why right? not embrace it? I see that we should be I able mean, to
1: drive our age. When I'm ninety, like let's go ninety. Why Perfect. not? I like that. this. Is this is good? <laughs> this is this is the Jackie Stewart thinking. I think, uh, but no. But here's the thing, though. I the the thing I do like about the Caddy is the fact that you come out of a Lexus, which has got some luxury leanings. So it's every, like
0: every luxury leaning, and in, so in so Lexus. It's, it's like
1: with a Cadillac, it's still. Trying to be a grown-up's interior, but it's a juvenile car, and yeah, I like I like yeah, that combo. I, I, I get the Challenger. The challenger's is cool. I, mean, I that's do have to irreverent. say that's just irreverent. That's just like a middle no, finger to everyone. That's, like, should I take you know. up golf in my seventies? I'm the guy that would show up in the Challenger, just annoying everybody at the golf club with how loud I can make the engine, just because I want to get out and I want to see those faces. I, that, but but that's me, I'm that guy anyway. you've seen my ridiculous hair. that works <laughs> out but that may not may not be Mike Dad, but I do think honestly, Cadillac CTSV makes the right statement down down the middle it, it's It's juvenile enough, yeah, it's it fun be. enough, but you can still pull into the golf club in your Cadillac, pull out golf clubs, and have a nice car. Either way,
0: Mike Dad, you have to promise us that you're going to do the brake stand through the golf club parking lot. <laughs> you know how you just modulate the brake and then you know that the engine has enough power where you set off all the car alarms like you do in a car in a in a parking garage as you're driving past all the cars. So as you're leaving, like, hey boys, you know, see you tomorrow, whatever. Just set <laughs> off all the alarms with well, your exhaust. As you're leaving,
1: please do this. But also you get a car that the valet guys like to park. Yeah, true, and we'll you be like, out, you know what? Let's let's put that up front. You get out, and hand them the keys, and go be careful. That's kind of fun too, you know. That, that's, that's fun.
0: exactly, and by that I mean, don't park careful. Go be careful. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I know this thing's going to be launched.
1: So uh, yeah, we're going to have a Ferris Bueller moment in that car. So anyway, <laughs> uh, Alec and and Mike, uh, we hope that was somewhat helpful, and we'd love to hear how that how that falls on that. We will be back with questions in just a minute. When you're looking to buy a car, you want to make sure you're getting real price on actual inventory. There's nothing worse than getting there, and they go, well, we don't have that actual car you looked up. So a lot of times that's not the case, but with True Car, it is the case. You can configure a car online, use a True Car certified dealer. The pricing that you get is on actual inventory. There is a car that backs up that price. There are over
0: 13,000 True Car certified dealers nationwide, and TrueCar users are more likely to enjoy a faster buying process when they connect with these TrueCar certified dealers.
1: And plus, TrueCar users save an average of over $3,000 off MSRP. Don't get me wrong, this is not TrueCar says, we think the price is this. No, the TrueCar certified dealer says, this is the price for the car. TrueCar is the conduit. So you want to work directly with TrueCar, go to TrueCar and buy the car you want. Hey, all, let's talk a little bit about
0: Amsoil. You know why we like Amsoil so much? Because they're a bunch of car people. They're gearheads. They're into all kinds of motorsports and power sports, and they get it. You know, recently, Amsoil created a guide containing information about how to increase horsepower in your vehicle. It's got insider tips from some of the best in the business on how to coax
1: more power out of your engine. You can get your free copy at amsoil.com driver. That's right, there's a code connected to this show, amsoil.com slash driver. While you're there, you can find out about all of Amsoil's products. Remember, they've got their Amsoil Signature Series Synthetic Motor Oil. says it delivers 75% more engine protection against horsepower loss than what's required. Now, I'm not a guy that tests these things, but these tests exist, and that's the stat. Remember, go to amsoil.com slash driver to get your free insider's guide to increasing horsepower. You can do that right now. Once again, we have a very different podcast in sound. Uh, if it's echoey and cavernous, we apologize because we are sitting in a hotel room. Because we're in Los Angeles, we're doing some other podcasts. We're excited about those. Yeah. We're trying to get a little yeah. bit of shooting done. We've, we've got a car we touroed. There's a lot going on, even in this. We've, we literally are gone for 24 hours. Crazy. So we're seeing how much we can this get a in amount of time. Absolutely, absolutely true. We've got some really cool questions. I'm going to say it again. We say it every time, but Seriously. Guys, thank you for engaging with the podcast yeah, on all these questions. You are rating, you are reviewing, you are sharing. All of that is helpful. We ask that you would continue to do that. Uh, we're going to keep you updated with more madness of late. Uh, of course, as we said, the TV episodes are coming. Then they will be coming to the web. There's a lot of changes going on. We'll do the same thing we do every year. Right mm-hmm. at the beginning of the year, 2018, we'll do a state of the show podcast. Oh yeah, absolutely. So that also yeah. should give you a heads up on the fact we've got, I think, uh, three or four more podcasts before year's end for us. We are, as you probably are as well, taking the week between Christmas and New Year's, we will not be podcasting. We will be back yeah, after the right. first of the year. But you have got a few more until then, but we'll keep you updated with all of the madness. Uh, one of the questions I wanted to start with, because I feel like it's relevant right now, okay. is from Ty. Oh, yeah. He's looking yeah, yeah. at Christmas gifts. Excellent. Hello, Ty. How are you, man? Yeah, good to hear from you, man. So he's asking about our film specifically but I want to broaden it out from there. Okay. Because you may have noticed there's something new that's happening on YouTube. YouTube is now allowing merchandising. yeah, Which is very interesting. So we uh, we just got invited to do that as a beta, so we've actually jumped onto that. If you've got comments on that, I'd be very curious to hear. Essentially now on our videos you can see some of our t shirts are shown below. I mean this is this is pretty cool. This is I, I the think very cool latest idea, thing though. on YouTube. So I'm very curious to see I mean, merchant responses. Is. Is. Absolutely, and how people respond.
0: Well, I mean, sometimes you wouldn't know that, you know what, this channel and these guys or whoever that is, you have merchandise? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay.
1: Do keep in mind we also do have our daily triple shirt. In fact, I need to get myself one on. Blood yeah, Shift, we need to get all. We're going to have some more on there. We do have t-shirts coming on there. I know we keep promising t-shirts, and I and I genuinely will. We will be doing it. But guess what? There's a couple other things going on. Uh, <laughs> one but, or two. But talking about talking about Christmas gifts, Ty was asking about our films and what what's right for what person. Here's the thing: we have learned over the four that we've done that our multi generational pieces seem to do the best. Our 50 years of 9/11 and our icon film about yeah. all the generations yep. of the M3 and the offshoots, those seem to go really, really well. If the person you're buying for has an interest in either one of those marks at all, then chase the one they're interested in. Interested uh, in those are those are kind of easy to, to define. And I would also yeah. say if yeah. you find people that look, I made the film and was one of these people, you kind of know about the 9/11, but you kind of don't care. We have found yeah, right, that right. people that are interested in cars but aren't sure how they feel about the 911 or don't really engage with the 911 typically like the 50 Years of 911 film. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if sure. that's because I kind of came into it with that demeanor myself or not, but that plays pretty well. If you're a BMW guy at all, the Icon film plays great. Uh, but the 911 the seems to, to bridge people pretty well, which is kind of interesting.
0: And that was our first film,
1: Ty. I think you might know,
0: and for everybody listening, we've got that on Amazon Blu ray, so you can order it from Amazon, as well as Vimeo, which is a great place to either download or rent that. Yeah,
1: you can, you can stream but it. But the yeah. Blu
0: ray, actually, for all four of our films, comes with extras, mm-hmm. and it's, of course, the Blu ray quality, and that's why we produce the Blu ray. So if you do order those, everyone, please keep in mind because of the digital rights management, obviously, it does not play on things like the Microsoft Xbox. Or things like that. We, we have it made plays that on most things,
1: there. but the Xbox is right. one of the things it won't play on. I will say the other two, though. Mid-Inches and Mountains and Pilgrimage. If I had to call it, I think for us personally, this is my, this is my take on it. I think we, and if you listen to our podcast about Mid-Inches and Mountains, we had kind of more of a personal adventure on Mid-Inches and Mountains yeah. than yeah. came across in the film because there were some crazy things that happened that just didn't get on camera. Mm-hmm. But that was, and there were some struggles of making that film that didn't get on camera. That film is solid, but I, I will genuinely say, as the filmmaker, I think it is the weakest of our four. If sure. those cars sure. interest you, the scenery is fantastic. It's a very fun road trip. But I actually think, from an adventure perspective, if you want an adventure film, that's Pilgrimage. I mean, it's interesting because I have some
0: of the fondest memories from mid-engines and mountains, just doing the trip, mm-hmm. and it was so. Uh, such a stamp in our lives Mm -hmm. honestly Mm -hmm. it was just such a you know here's a flag in the ground for sure yeah yeah. in our lives and this happened and you're right it was very personal but sometimes not all that stuff translated on camera or got to be on camera you know some of the stories we've told and Yeah, yeah, yeah you know we need now and which is why where that rear camera shot has come from that it's almost like we have cameras running all the time even when For we sure. think, For sure. you know what, this is just, we're just transferring cars yeah. because something yeah. happens. And yeah. like, oh, man, I wish I would have captured yeah, that. Yeah, you're right. You're you know? very right. So things like that. It, it changed our filmmaking styles. It, it, a lot it, of effect, it, yeah. It influenced a lot of the ways we shoot now, but you know,
1: because of That's a good that point. trip. Mm-hmm. which was, um, I think, fascinating to discover. Yeah, that's a fair point. The Pilgrimage film is interesting because, I mean, it is the iconic thing of let's go drive the ring and spa. And mm-hmm. Paul and I, yeah. discovering it as we go, that's the other thing about that it. That was very that much. That is a very visceral, you're there with us, true and we to the just film. got shocked yeah. kind of film, filmmaking. Very, very documentary style. I think that's a real fun one. If you're looking for an adventure, that's the one I'd recommend. I have talked longer on that than I expected to, Ty, but thank you for the question.
0: No, it's all good. Also on Instagram here, we've got Tweedleboy FabWorks what? writing to us. Uh, he asks, what car has most influenced your driving technique? Hmm. I, uh, I'm thinking back on all the kinds of things I could answer this with. You know, a lot of it comes down to power, you know, just mm-hmm. cars with absurd amounts of power. But I will say from a technique standpoint, it is definitely mid-engine cars. Interesting. And I know we were just talking about mid-engines and mountains, but, you know, those kinds of cars, and they don't have to be really expensive. I mean, the Toyota MR2s were mid-engine cars, Mm -hmm. and the dynamics on those cars feeling understeer that a mid-engine car can generate. Sure. And then knowing, what do I do with that when I encounter an understeer kind of a situation where I can't just mash the gas and do a power-on, you know, kick the tail out as easily as, as if you were in a front engine car, you know, those kinds of things that really interest inform your technique. And then you start to find out about yourself as a driver. It's the same kind of thing when you go to college or, you know, you're in your early twenties and you start to have all these life experiences and you think, how do I react to this? Mm-hmm. Who Who mm-hmm. am I in this situation? Mm-hmm. Who am I when I, when I encounter blank, when we're at a club or at a bar or I'm, new to this situation, who am I? What kind of person am I in this? Is it consistent with my character? Is it, you know, all these things. And now think about your driving styles. I've only driven one type of car and then you have this other thing and you put Mm. elements and weather and, you know, maybe track driving all mixed in with that. And it's a totally different platform. Who are you as a driver? That's
1: interesting. Okay. All right. I see
0: that. And you and I have really gravitated Mm. towards mid engine cars as our favorites and chosen two very different mid-engine cars.
1: You noticed, did you? Yeah, huh. I agree with that. But okay. we still love
0: that. all kinds of platforms, but it's, it's the mid-mounted weight. It's feeling that, that weight. It's a good description. But it could translate to front mid-engine, too. That's you know, still very viable. I'm
1: actually going to say the one that I feel like affected my driving the most really was the FRS. Was it? Because it's the first car that I owned that I felt like I wrung out often.
0: And 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 felt the limits of yes, all the time. And operated at the limits so.
1: of what it could do on the street right? regularly. Yeah. yeah, because you know Not we've driven we've time. driven plenty of stuff that is far more powerful and capable, and we can follow all those things along. But the FRS is approachable at its limits, and its limits are low enough that you can get to them in normal situations if you seek it out. Mm-hmm. And so that was very interesting. Plus, it just further cemented my love of cars under three thousand yeah, pounds. Yeah. So all of those things. Sure. The Lotus is more fun to drive and far more capable than the FRS. Sure. But I'm also not finding the edges of the Lotus like I can in the FRS. Do you miss it? Do you miss the FRS? In think? some ways, yes. Do you? Yes, yes, yes. Because because of that approachable nature.
0: Yeah. I mean yeah, I, I actually want that. to speak
1: to a comment that uh, Cars and Comments asked. He actually asked if I miss driving the FRS in the snow. This comes right back to this question. <laughs> the thing the other thing about the FRS what was fascinating in that regard is that's a car that I think I drove at the limits in more conditions than any car I've ever driven. Hmm. I I drove it in all weather. Every kind of weather you can imagine I drove that car. Drove it hard, got it sideways, had fun. Oh, look, that's the foot to the floor. In every condition you can imagine, drove it on the track, drove it on the street, drove it in canyons, took it drifting. I really did try everything on the planet with that car. And it is a car that by its nature is well balanced,
2: which is teaching
1: good. uh, it's, It's enforcing good driving, if you will. Uh, so I I do miss it in the snow because I am I'm discovering what the Mini can and can't do in the snow and it's just front wheel drive and very very different. I, I'm actually getting used to it now. Sure. But in in the in the Mini, your fun, slidey nature is is I've got the wheels scrabbling for grip while I understeer my way through this corner,
0: <laughs> which is just
1: you're planning the corner differently, you know, to to enjoy it than you would in the FRS where you could slide the background. So it's it's fascinating to see with the places that I'm missing it the. But it is a compromise more than the Lotus is. The Lotus sure, is sure. focused on being one thing, and is currently that one thing is in the garage.
0: So anyway, <laughs> right now, brandomness. I hope you can hear us. Kind of answering your question already on Instagram. You're asking us what is the most raw modern car, mm. and how do we define raw? First of all, you know what is that? Is that you know by you know just car noise coming into the cabin? Mm-hmm. Is that just raw and analog type of feel is am I feeling the ball joints and the bushings am I feeling the mechanical nature of the car being translated into the cabin through this seat of my pants and Mm -hmm, all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff I kind of define it that way yeah I mean we're talking about you know mid-engine cars the first generation came in for me Feels very raw, and there's a good amount of unfiltered elements to that car.
1: I agree with that. Yeah.
0: Of course, the Lotus Elise. Sure. I mean, just by virtue of exposed screw heads and aluminum extrusions yeah. and no floor mats, <laughs> no <and> power <laughs> steering. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not much else, and the road is three inches from your rear end. And You're right, all of you those know, things all, apply. Yeah. All that, but the FRS. You know, just like I said, mid-engine cars, mm-hmm. the MR2s. Again, you know, coming back to those cars, any version of the Miata. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the refinement has happened, of course, all the way up to the ND that we're currently at. Sure, of course. Those first gen, you know, NA, NB Miatas. But if we're talking cars in the last 10 years, the Miata is still on that list. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I would agree. I mean, the amount of mechanical noise that the engine of an S2000 makes, Mm -hmm. I think, is very raw. I consider that at the high end of the rev range. Mm-hmm. Wow, this this feels pretty raw to me.
1: Yeah, I can see that.
0: So things like that, I, I would say, and, and these are again, we're naming off the the list, the golden list of cars you and I have driven over the years, mm-hmm. and the you know the top six, top ten cars, whatever that is. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I would say cars in that category for sure, because you know once we get into the the GT cars and you know a lot of refinement going on, doesn't mean we don't like them. I'm currently really
1: thinking about the GLA AMG 45. <laughs> Love that car. Yeah, craziness. But, but that's the thing, though, is that what modern cars are doing. Let me back up. Let me back up. Look at supercars of the 80s and 90s. Okay. It was kind of expected for those cars to have massive compromise in their luxury, and their ergonomics, et cetera. In just fast like forward, every category. Fast forward 15, 20 years, none of that is acceptable. My hypercar needs to be very luxurious. It needs to have sup- superior ergonomics. And by the way, have you noticed all the tech? Mm. Sure. Cars in general have moved toward being far more luxurious and refined on the interior, and that is antithetical to feeling what the car is doing. Sure. So as a result, sure. the idea of a modern car feeling raw is kind of—it's uh, kind of counterproductive. So it is interesting to find those cars, and I think in many cases it has to do with weight to find those cars that do feel like they're giving you a lot of raw connection. But that is a great question. Also, a question we've walked around a couple times already tonight. Danger Mouse has asked on Instagram our thoughts on the MR2 Spider in relation to the Miata. I actually think it's great. It's it's hmm. it's a it's okay. a forgotten car that you can get for stupid cheap. The interior is laughably bad. It's it's laughably bad. Hmm. Okay, but. It is, here's the yep. big difference. It is the less forgiving Miata because it is mid-engined. Yeah. The Miata yeah. is it's just flat. I mean, I remember driving an MR2. I considered buying one at one point. I considered buying a Spyder. It is very fun to drive. It has got all of the Miata stuff going on with a little bit more edge because it is mid-engined. I think if you're considering one, I say absolutely drive it and consider it as a Miata alternative because it is a Miata with a little more bite. That could be good. That could be bad. Except the fact that it has a laughable interior and almost no storage. But if you're buying the car for the fun of it, those things don't matter. (laughs) Well, there's a
0: Facebook question from Adam here who's asking uh, some not necessarily driving feel questions here, but he's going back to my car audio days back when I was a bass head in high school. (laughs) Frightening. Frightening. How important is speaker location compared to equipment quality? You know, if a car had terrible speaker placement, would you be wasting your money upgrading stuff? Interesting question. In general, no. Uh, Speaker placement has only gotten better and more paid attention to by interior designers over the years. Sure, yeah. Whereas before, I mean, go back to the 80s, let's say. We can put a speaker there. There's some space in the dash. Let's plop something there. Hey, look. There's a place in the door where the the window wind-down switch in the motor and there's no cords. And it's usually in the lower panel of the door and it's just above the drain holes. I think we can fit a speaker in there. Exactly. Why don't we? And it doesn't resonate very well. And, you know, all those days are gone, of course. And now we have center staging and, and, you know, surround systems and... We even have Burmester Systems and Porsches now, so that's lovely. Uh, You know what did it for me was the third-generation Mazda RX-7 with the Bose speaker tubes throughout the back of the car that routed sound. Filling
1: filling the hatch, yeah. I loved
0: that concept. So they kind of got around that problem by, speakers are in the wrong location. Let's actually route the sound with some plastic tubing. Insane. But it's all molded. And and and, use up the hatch. One of the craziest (laughs) ideas ever. take up space. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. But, uh, yeah... You you'll still do well upgrading your equipment, but I will say always start with more power. You can actually make terrible speakers sound better if you put more power through them.
1: Huh, okay. And that's
0: where a lot of tuners says the bass head. Wait, wait, wait. Well, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> let's drop those uh those twelves down to two ohms and oh, you know you can gosh. really get some <laughs> shaking power through it. Anyway, um a lot of these these shops start with amperage and they start mm-hmm. with power. Mm-hmm. Just upgrading your head unit alone and you'll think, Wow, my factory speakers never sounded so good. Mm-hmm. So don't always think about, well, I gotta upgrade everything. Start with head units, start with amps, mm. and then graduate to, okay, now who am I as a as an audiophile? Mm. What brand do I like? What you know, speaks to my ear, you know, is it the mids and the highs? Is it, you know, what is the clarity and the sound quality, all those kinds of things. So definitely start with power and work your way slowly because you might be surprised how good the speakers already are in your car. They just
1: don't have enough power going to them. Interesting. Things I've never thought about or known anything uh-huh. about. I feel I feel lucky when my phone connects and I can actually hear something. It's all relative. but <laughs> Bluetooth connected. Yeah. Wow. We're yay, done. Look at that. It comes out of one speaker, but I can hear you. It's awesome. Okay. So we have another question here. Uh, Christopher asked on, or sorry, Christoph asked on Instagram. He said, if you had the power, what law of the road would you strike down? Oh, this is good. And which one would you see enforced more seriously? I do have an answer on this. You do. Enforced more seriously across the board would be the left lane is for passing only. Thank you. This is Because the yeah. number of times that you can find the fastest way around people is in the far... Right lane horrifies all of our foreign listeners, especially those of you that have ever been in Germany. You're always asking questions about that. Yes. and uh, We love being in Germany because it isn't the case. So that would be the first thing is the left lane is for passing only, unless you're the big dog. But then related to that, also related to Germany, as far as outside of city areas, I'm thinking about, if you want to think about it this way, Paul, think about uh, five miles east or west of Salt Lake proper on I-80. Oh, okay. From Outside major city areas, speed limits are dropped. Okay, they're just dropped as in meaning there isn't a speed limit. Oh, okay. Sorry. so they're I, I, the, sorry. they're not I, lowered. I, I, did, I didn't, I was say, I didn't lowered. say that properly. No, no, no. Okay, the speed limit no longer exists. We have got huge stretches in the U.S. where there's nothing but flat stretch of road. Most of Utah you know and people do have speed tolerances what everybody seems to think when you talk, have conversations about uh it, the autobahn proves this but what everybody seems to think about when you ha- when you take away a speed limit everybody thinks kind of when we get like a collective discussion about this that everybody's going to be ha- going 100 no they're not mm-hmm. a lot of people yeah. are really uncomfortable driving 80
0: yeah yeah, it's just an absolute comfort with that so speed. So it's comfort
1: level. Now, yeah. yes, you're going to have idiots that drive faster, which gets me back into my discussion of other things that won't happen, which is a graduated license system. And we have to license people if you want to go fast. That's a whole separate thing. But we have huge stretches of the U.S. that there's nothing but road. So you get far enough, you'd have to, I mean, look, this is not going to happen, but I'm dreaming here. You get far enough out of the populated areas, and the speed limit ceases to exist.
0: My brain goes too far to assume that this could happen and that there would be people who would be safe and knowledgeable enough to be able to handle that responsibility. In Germany, driving is a privilege. Mm-hmm. You pay a lot of money to get mm-hmm. that driver's license, and then it is very much based on you know the car that you have and kind of how much can you afford? Can you afford to go fast mm-hmm. and pay for the fuel? Yeah. Well, great. Have at it. But everybody is... At a, a level that you can count on being skillful enough sure, sure, to sure. handle the high speed. Mm-hmm. Whereas that isn't the case in America. True. Now, I would love to think that. And again, I've gone too far into reality yeah. that, yeah, I, I completely agree. But then there's going to be idiots who just, you know, you're in a, a car that can't handle that kind of speed. True. But, but that's going going where I way get back fast.
1: to the graduated license thing. Or the thing, think about the thing they use on racetracks. On racetracks, if you're a newbie, they put a sticker on your bumper that yeah. is that X that says, I'm a newbie. Yeah. Or look at it another way. In LA and other major cities, you have the HOV lane sticker. I'm allowed to be in the HOV lane without two people in the car because I don't pollute or whatever. Okay? Imagine that idea <laughs> for fast driving. It is a graduated yeah. license system, and you have a tag on your car that says, this person's a big dog
0: despite whatever car you have.
1: Absolutely. That this person yeah. has, has gone through the license qualification system that they are allowed to drive that quickly or as quickly as they want. And I also do find it fascinating. Every time we go to Germany, here we are, the crazy speed-crazed Americans who are excited about the Autobahn. And when it goes to de-restricted, that's not the letter D, by the way. That means sans restriction. <laughs> it goes to de-restricted, meaning no speed limit. There is an interesting, like, uh, Dead Sea parting moment because the, the, because because seriously the people that the people nice. that are going to drive 80 or 90 miles an hour equivalent they get right they stay yeah. in the middle lane or right and they go 80 or 90 which sounds to us like fast but the roads there are so well designed that 80 or 90 in your little tiny jalopy of a hatchback is okay and they let all the big dogs do 120 160 or whatever and the vast majority i would say 60 70% of the cars on the road are never breaking a hundred. Yeah, and your skills improve so dramatically
0: when you practice high speed driving. Yeah, your the amount of attention you pay, your your just obeying the rules of the road and and paying attention to what your car is doing, and then suddenly you th- you catch yourself thinking about your tire patch.
1: I'm <laughs> thinking, all right,
0: what's my tire pressures sure, and what sure. are tires do I have? And you know, what's the road conditions? And it sharpens you up dramatically, mm-hmm. which I would love for everybody driving to start thinking about. Sure, sure. It, it ratchets up everything about your driving skill. And you start thinking about the mechanics and the care of your car, and you start taking it very seriously. Yeah. Your field of vision narrows, all of those things and you start getting better and better at the skill of driving. Hmm. So I would love it for that case. I just, I mean, oh, there, there'd there be always oh, the... Oh,
1: I'm, I'm pipe dreaming. I never going to I
0: love the levels of, of uh, you know, the rookie sticker and mm-hmm. the, you know, the big dogs. And that big dog might be in a car that goes 160, but you know yeah. what? He's the only one going 160. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Whatever that is. But there, I, I, the thing I just am so struck by, I know I've said it a couple times, but it just, it strikes me every time we're there is the fact that not everybody's trying to go as fast as they can. 60, 70% yeah. of the drivers Which are going a steady speed. Yeah. And then there's those of us that want to get left lane and see how fast we can go. But that is a small percentage, and everybody is allowed to. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. Very fascinating.
0: Carter H on Facebook. Hello. Thank you for writing in. He is asking, what is one car name or brand Uh-oh. that no matter how hard you try, you just can't pronounce? Hmm. I have it, I have it, and I'm going to mispronounce it, trying to pronounce it for you. Okay, good. The Lamborghini Murcielago, 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 (laughs) Murcielago, the thing between the Diablo and the Aventador, that that car. That V12. The one designed by Luke Donkervolka, the Belgian designer, actually Peruvian born Belgian, I think he's Belgian. He
1: now you know the origin of these guys Hyundai like Genesis. no one I've ever imagined. Yeah, okay.
0: I know he ordered our 911 film, by the way, <laughs> and uh, I'm pretty sure he keeps a 911 in Los Angeles. So whenever he comes to uh, to visit the folks at Hyundai or now the Genesis brand that he heads up, because Peter Schreier is being groomed to be uh, you know moved on to pasture, if you will. <laughs> so uh, he's in charge of the Genesis separate brand now, and uh, yeah. That car is uh, the one I always have trouble
1: pronouncing. I think that's excellent. I think that's excellent. Well, thank you guys for all of the questions, for all of the the listening, and for engaging with us. Uh, We will be back for another podcast that will be – by the time you'll hear this, actually, we will have already done Spike and Adam's podcast. We will not know yet when those are releasing, but they will release before the TV season comes out. Yeah. We'll have another couple podcasts next week leading up to the Christmas break, and uh, we just thank you guys for being with us.
0: Thanks again, guys. Uh, I will echo that as well. And, uh, yeah, you can download the films, as we've talked about before. Great Christmas gifts. <laughs> and uh, keep writing to us. If you've got your own debate, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com and also everydaydriver.com. You can find us there. And uh, just love hearing from you. Love hearing stories. Love hearing how uh, what we do affects your lives and uh, gets you thinking differently. So thanks again, guys.
1: Cheers. <laughs> Technology Truths, brought to you by GEICO. Technology Truths. Truth, you will certainly send any text about your supervisor to your supervisor.
2: What's with Janet's fangs? Did she lose a bet with a weed whacker? (laughs) LOL. And sent. Wait,
0: no, 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 no.
1: Truth, it's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at GEICO.com.
0: Janet, I think my phone was hacked or something.
1: GEICO, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.